Anyways, welcome to the semi-bookish podcast. Uh, um, quick side note, um, because it's going to be the shortest part of this whole entire episode. Guess what it is? We've been doing this for three years. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. That's it. That's all I have. That's it. That's the anniversary part. We've been doing this. Technically, this is now the start of season three, even though season three started when, um, the father of the dungeon left. Is that when that? Oh, right. That's what you're saying. Yeah, that's when we started season three. Yes. Yes. That was, like, the shortest season two ever. Well. But anyways, uh, to start this off, uh, I'm gonna go off your guys' like, plan for today. Yes. Yeah, we um, certainly didn't just come up with the idea for the episode like 15 minutes ago. No, we don't. Do yeah, that. I know. You guys Not texted me. I wasn't even at work yet. I'm sitting there going, what did you guys do? This was what two weeks. What is wrong? Two what did, weeks What ago. did you people do? This was two what weeks What happened? Ago. Yeah. Anyways, I'd like to know what everyone is reading before we even start. What are you reading? What I'm reading? Yeah. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm playing <laughs> currently... Um, so I bought a couple wrestling games on sale. Okay. Um, so I've been playing those because there's storylines that are involved with mm. them. Okay. Um, and so I started playing that yesterday, and so far I'm fairly amused. But like, mm-hmm. I hate the character creation for the 2022 version of the game because the female cre- character creation absolutely sucks. Mm. Um, twenty twenty three is a little bit better though because I have both. Is it? Oh, yeah. well, there you go. Um, and then uh, today, as I was watching, um, I was watching ghost hunting videos because uh-huh. I can. Um, and uh, I got this very awesome notification that uh, my hold for uh, Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss came in. Finally. Yeah, and so I have it on my phone, <laughs> so I can oh, start reading. Oh, on um, Libby. Libby. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I was That's gonna say, where our copy's been gone that long. <laughs> No, I got it off of Libby because it was okay. just easier, and I have so many books at home right now that it's kind of like a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I have that, so I am excited to read that. <laughs> and then I've also been playing a game called Sunhaven. Hmm. Sunhaven is kind of... So you know Stardew Valley? <laughs> it is kind of like a Stardew Valley in the sense that it is a farming game. Gotcha. However... It is not just a farming game. There are there's an actual storyline and RPG elements that go along mm. in there. Mm. So like there is like you come to this town and there's a darkness that's fallen over the town. Sure. Or like, just like outside of yeah. town, and there's a guardian dragon that guards the whole entire town, the village, mm. and he has tasked you with going to the other two villages. So there's a demon village and then there is a elf village. Mm. To go see how we can fix this whole darkness thing, which everyone thinks it's the demons that are doing it. And to be honest, I have absolutely no idea. Yeah. So uh, that's what's going on right now. Um, anyways, uh, Tony, what are you reading? Um, I am re-listening to... Um, listening to? The audiobook for It, it? by Stephen Still? Yeah. What's up? 47 hour long audiobook. Well, you told me this last week that you were listening I, to this. I did, <laughs> and it's a 47 hour long audiobook. <laughs> uh, it's it's long. Um, it's going well. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's been a couple, a few days since I've been listening to it, but um, it's good. It's really good. I mean, you know, it's Stephen King, <laughs> which I now understand. I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, this is why Ed, so many people really like his. It's really good. Um, it's scary. Not in ways that you would expect necessarily, but 
you know, adequately scary, but also just a really good, intriguing story. Um, that I'm, I just really like it. Um, but in a complete and opposite contrast, <laughs> I, I am one of the lucky few, although I don't know that there's only a few, I imagine that. Anyway, I am one of the lucky people who has consumed all of Heartstopper season two. Already? Um, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's how I spent my Sunday. <laughs> you just put aside the whole day and you No, just... Saturday, yeah. It's how I spent my Saturday, yeah. Yeah, I just... I was about to be like, I slept all day Sunday. <laughs> I took the whole Saturday and just... It was wonderful. Um, Does it stack up to season one? It's comparable to season one. I mean, I think it just... It takes everything, you know, that you had in season one and then deals with it in season two so you know no surprises necessarily but definitely just as wonderful as season one just in different a different way um and i'm very excited to see where they take things in season three um it's a great it's just a great romance and i love it so so much so you know there it is the two wildly contrasting you know (laughs) yeah Grant, what one, are you reading? One's terrifying, you know, it, it curdles the blood, and one has a clown in it. You know? <laughs> yes, indeed. I, I, I liked the few, the two like two episodes of Heartstopper I watched, so oh, I need nice. to, I'll it's, finish it sometime. No, it's really, yeah, I mean, if, if, you, if you buy into the romantic premise, which it's easy for me, it's good. It's, yeah, it goes places. You know, again, not surprises, but it's good. I zoned out, and then I got to, and I came back in on clowns. <laughs> uh, oh jeez never you'll have to it was listen. one of, was one of I, the classic zingers yes you'll have to listen to it no later. I did hear the classic zinger but I'm sitting here going what what are you reading Grant what am I reading I'm reading Madness and Civilization by Michel Foucault you're reading Foucault I'm reading Foucault <laughs> that's interesting is it uh, surprisingly readable <laughs> is it at least this one okay. I, I, I can't speak for is the rest of it is this fiction or not it's, it's not nonfiction, yeah. That sounds um, dangerous. <laughs> um, so in this one, he deals with like the history of the idea of madness or insanity. Oh. And how different, how it was viewed, how how it was defined, um, in different, you know, time periods and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of his early jobs was he worked in a mental asylum that's kind of what sparked his oh. fascination with this sure. he's also a historian so he kind of just worked out sure, sure. um it's a lot of interesting observations um like he talks about when the idea of like confinement like let's let's take this idea that breaks our conception of blah 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 let's put it somewhere else and how, how that works into like other stuff other stuff. I'm yeah. not. All, I'm like halfway through it, but okay. I um. um we haven't reached to what the other stuff might be. Stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, because if, if if we know anything, uh, there's 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 lots of stuff going on. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, it, it's 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 very interesting. Okay. Um, like I said, I I was kind of scared to jump in there, but yeah. it uh, yeah. surprisingly readable. Nice. So. See, like a philosophy slash, like, yeah, yeah, he, psychology slash more of a sociolog- sociological. It's, like it's me. It, yeah. He, him, yeah, he's he's kind of a 
jack of all trades. Sure. So. Yeah, it's got that. Hope. I don't know. I just heard the word yeah. madness, and I went, I guess I need to read this now. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that all that you're reading? Uh, yes, at the moment. Sure. Um, I mean, I've seen tons of really good movies recently. Um, such as? Such as Oppenheimer. Yes. Which has a very good ending. <laughs> a crescendo. Uh-huh. A crescendo. Um, oh. Well, you know. Christopher Nolan yeah. and his crescendos. That's the he's, classic Nolan crescendo. Yeah, he's pretty good at those, um, <laughs> admittedly. Um, okay. Okay. I said, and Oppenheimer, then, yeah. Oppenheimer. Um, I talked about it with you briefly. I saw Mishima, A, a, oh, a yeah. Life in Four Chapters, yeah, which did. is a quote-unquote biopic of, yeah. uh, I can't remember his first name, but Mishima, the, the Japanese author. Mm-hmm. Um such a such a interesting great movie um i i I don't want to waste time going into it a whole lot but it's it's just it's very beautiful and it's it's Mm -hmm. it's um the structure of it's very unique yeah yeah i haven't seen anything else quite like it so nice definitely recommend yeah speaking of endings summer reading has ended it did it did end yes and now uh we are going to be talking about our favorite endings of things or I, just endings in general. <laughs> yeah, no, no, endings of like 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 yeah, books, favorite. movies, games, yeah, 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 yeah. comic books, yeah. so et cetera. Story related endings or even just Okay, I guess I should ask. Okay. What for you, both of you, constitutes a satisfactory ending? I think that completely <laughs> 100% depends on the work. I think you're cheating, but I agree with but you. Well, <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think there's a set of things that make a good ending, per se. Okay. I think okay. It, for me, it depends on the type of media, and it's not like the genre or the type of work. It's the media. Sure. I so, like, for example, because I'm just gonna talk about the one thing that I know best, which is video games. If it's a video game ending, um, I, for me, a good ending is something that. If I know that there's supposedly supposed to be a sequel, mm-hmm. I want all the loose ends to be tied up, but I want there to be enough to go off of. Like, okay. like so for example, like, we all know Kingdom Hearts, like, ends, like, the first game ends, nobody, whatever. Sorry. It, it basically ends and it ties up, like, all your little loose ends that you have going on from that first game, mm-hmm. but then they kind of, like, do a little bit of a ad hominem where you can see an addition where you can see where it might be going next in the future. Oh, like one of those things where it's like the end and then next time on Kingdom Hearts. No, they don't actually do it that way. Like, like you get to the very end of like the video sequence at the at the end. You're talking about the first one, right? Yeah, I'm talking about like at the first one, and then you kind of see where something else can form from this. Mm. And not only is there, it's like a little cliffhanger, but it's enough where it's still all tied up. I think but that, enough of a cliffhanger where if they wanted to and they had enough money, they can go off. But if there is not enough money, they can. I think the classic right example there. of that is um, Darth Vader's ship goes veering off. The entire Death Star blows up. And somehow he, he flies away. And then there's still an ending sequence. Like it's like, yeah, there's that little thing of like, yeah, but where did he? go so <laughs> because another know, really you know. good example of that is um and this is the one that's been in my head for like the past like 10 minutes but like final fantasy 10 
Mm-hmm. So, a spoiler alert who hasn't played Final Fantasy X, but granted, this game has been out since, like, 2001, so oh, where yeah, have you been? This is a spoiler-heavy episode because yeah. we're talking about it. Yeah, so. if, you, if you like, if you don't like spoilers, click away now and go to a completely separate episode. Yeah, Skip your, this episode. Yeah, this is your last spoiler yeah. alert. <laughs> yeah, so Final Fantasy X happened, and... It, anybody who has played Final Fantasy X knows the gut-wrenching, horrifying tragedy that comes with just playing it mm-hmm. and the trauma that you ensue from playing this game in general. Mm-hmm. So the whole entire premise of the game is um, you are... His name is Titus. You can call him Titus. You can you can actually rename him, him in the game and it can be whatever name you want. They yeah. never actually refer to him by name. Sure. Um, but your main character, Titus, he is... Um, a sports player for a sports team and it's called Blitzball and it's in a big giant water sphere and it's basically like volleyball but inside a sphere of water. Sure. Don't know how that works but we're just gonna run with it. Yeah. Yeah. Do they show how it works? Yeah, yeah. like you it's a it's a whole entire like side quest mini game thing that you can actually play where you can get characters on your team and you can play and win a tournament <laughs> and you can get prizes for it later on, which will then help your characters at the very end of the game. But um he's playing his sports game, he's at, like, Championship mm-hmm. League. He's working really hard. Mm-hmm. And they get attacked by this monster. Nobody knows what this monster is. But basically, this guy who's raised him has come back and is like, yo, we need to get you out of here because yeah. you're about to die. And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm dying. Where did, where did you come from, by the way? Because you're just, like, coming out of nowhere. Yeah. And he's like, there's no time to talk. We got to get you out of here. And so they start taking him out. And he gets attacked by the big monster and through some weird shape or form which is explained later mm-hmm. is taken from where he is and is catapulted catapulted far into the future where his town does no no longer exists it was destroyed huh and this monster is the cause of a calamity that happens like every 10 years or so and what happens is all these different people from different areas around their world um go to all these different temples and get they get a summoning monster Mm -hmm. and if you get all of them then you go to his town zanakin where he's from and you confront the monster at the very end and that's usually supposed to how how it works and so he's Following along with the group, he falls in love with the summoner girl, realizes, oh, she has to die for this whole entire thing to end. Yeah. And it has and it recycles every ten years. So it doesn't even matter if she dies or not. He's like, this is no, this is no way in shape or form. Awesome. So he's trying to figure out a way to stop it. Meanwhile, he also learns that the world that he's from, like, in the past, as he so thought, Mm -hmm. is actually a fake world that was created by the fake god that everyone worships because they have no idea he's fake. And uh, he's not real, like, at all. Like, he's fake, like, full stop. Right. And to stop the whole entire thing, if they defeat this monster and the fake god, he disappears forever. But she, the summoner girl, gets to stay alive. And so at the very end, he, all of this comes to fruition and he sacrifices his being or his whole entire being and they save everyone and then he disappears. Quite literally, he fades from existence. Like he jumps off the boat and he fades from Uh there. 
So the whole entire game ends with them giving a speech of like, like in a giant stadium where everyone is located going like, hey, this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. No more calamity. It's all done. We're good. This mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Leaves you at a very just like good ending. Yes, it's traumatizing and it's very sad, but it is a sure. full stop ending. Yeah. However, there's that little Darth Vader. He's veered off into the distance. Titus has disappeared. We don't know where he's gone. Uh-huh. We don't know if he's dead or if he just like went off back into the ether where he belongs. There's a second game. Okay. Where the main girl is now the main character, and she has found a sphere, and that sphere is um, it has a video uh-huh. of what we think might be Titus. It's not. Spoiler alert. Uh, um, okay. And so she's going like, oh, well, maybe he did exist a thousand years ago. Right. So now she's trying to figure out the story of where he's come from. Oh. Um, which then goes into a whole, like, all long other thing. And there's three separate endings to that game, depending on how much you complete the game. How? <laughs> so if you complete it, just, like, full stop, just complete the game without doing any of the extra stuff that goes along in there, you get this really nice ending where, like, he actually doesn't exist and you never see Tidus ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you complete a certain amount of things, um, he basically falls down from the sky after right. you have your speech or whatever. Yeah. And he comes back to life. He's he's there. They brought him back because she worked so hard that, you know, they gave him back. Sure, sure. And then there's a third ending that gets tapped onto that if you have 100%, where she's like, please tell me you're not going to, like, just disappear out of nowhere again. He's like, I don't think I am. And so she literally pushes him over a cliff so she can make sure that he's a real person. Wow. That's interesting. So, when I mean, like, by, like, having all the loose ends tied up, I mean, like, a la Final Fantasy X, all of the loose ends are tied up, Mm -hmm. but we can go to a second game if we really wanted to. I think I know what you mean. Yeah. Yes. That's what I consider a good ending. Okay. Like, if there's a cliffhanger. Otherwise, I want to be as traumatized as possible if it's, like, a book ending. Thank you. Okay. It is fun to be traumatized. I, I mean, like, Lord of the Flies, please traumatize me. I, I will say that I feel like I want... No, well, no, no, actually not, I feel. I want the ending to suit the book. Mm-hmm. It has to, or the story. It well, has yeah. to suit the story. If it doesn't... If it's a know, romance, I want my happily ever after things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it... It. I was just talking about this with my brother and my mom, because we were, somehow we got on the subject of Pearl Harbor. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Um, it just comes up from time. The, the movie, not the event. The movie. Um, and we were talking about because my mom was like, "Oh yeah, it was so sad because the you know the man died and um, and the other guy uh, comes back and has to raise the kid, the other man's kid, blah blah blah." And you know, and they, my mom, and my brother were kind of like, "What was with that ending?" And I said, "Well, it's because she chose the wrong guy." And they were just like, wait, no, no, no. I'm like, that's it's a romance. There's always something that splits the couple quite near the end. And they make a choice. And then the story has to bring them back together in the end. In this instance, there was a war. So they looked at the plot and they were like, well, if we just killed the husband, that takes care of the problem. And she gets with the right guy in the first place. Because that's the guy we all wanted. Everyone who watched that movie was like, well, yeah, she should end up with Ben Affleck. Duh. It's gonna happen. 
You're right. just waiting for it to happen. And that's, yeah. it has to happen right at the right moment. And there has to be a right reason for it to happen. That, to me, it's that ending that suits that particular movie because that's what it's going for. However, if it was a Saving Private Ryan, no, you can't put that ending on a Saving Private Ryan because Saving Private Ryan is not a romance. It's a war story. Like There's tragedy that's supposed to come from this. Well, I mean, there was a... Saving Private Ryan had a nice ending. Yeah, here's the thing. I've never seen it in my time. <sighs> I don't know that I would call it a happy ending, but it had a suitable ending. I've never seen um, Saving Private Ryan. It's great. It's a good movie. It's, yeah, you know, it's one of the... We all know I don't really watch It's one it. of the great Spielberg movies. There are people who have problems with the ending. They think it's too sappy, but... I guess it's too, like... Bow-tied, bow-tied, patriotic. Yeah, but you kind they kind of do that anyway for a lot of patriotic not, movies in the first place. I'm not like, saying I, just like, I'm not saying I think that. I'm saying some people. Think yeah, it's interesting that people think that because you can kind of see it coming from the beginning. <laughs> it's like there. <laughs> you mean the, the big reveal? Yeah, okay. in the very beginning, it's kind of like yeah, this. Okay, got it. Like you see where they're going with it. Um, I mean, it's called Saving Private Ryan. There's going to be some type of sappiness in there. there. There's a there's a specific. No, there is a moment. I know which one. What did they do? The ending. Uh, what did they do? It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Well, the, the I mean, we're doing spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we already gave this disclaimer so, earlier. Like, if they haven't clicked off already, that's their problem. So the film the film begins with an old man and his family going to Arlington Cemetery, yeah. and then the old man comes up to this one particular grave and he collapses. Mm-hmm. And then you go back to D-Day, and it, it fades from his face to the face of Tom Hanks. So this whole time, you, you're supposed to assume that it's Tom Hanks, younger. Turns out... Oh, yeah, I suppose you are, aren't you? Yeah, 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 that's true. Turns out that uh, the old man is actually Matt Damon. Save Private Ryan, where they were trying to save the whole time. Right. Tom, Cru- uh, Tom Hanks sacrifices himself, so he may live. And that's, that's the right. big reveal. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's just sappy. It's supposed to be that way. You're supposed to feel sad about it. I don't know that I would call it sappy. I just think that it's interesting to me how people respond to endings. Um, Because it's a clear indicator of a few things. It's either a clear indicator that they missed the ending completely. You know, they just foiled it. Like, it was bad. Um, Or the audience isn't paying attention (laughs) And that's a whole different problem. And sometimes, most of the time, I think it's somewhere in between. It's they, you know, the, the, the whoever's creating the story knows where they're going or gets to where they're going and is like, okay, this is how it's going to end. But they haven't laid enough clues to get there. And so, or enough obvious clues, like they feel like they think, oh, the audience is going to get this when they don't. And then the audience gets to the end and they're just like, but why? And there are too many questions. And there are not enough answers within the story that they just watched. That I think that happens a lot more often than not. Um, I'm trying to even think of a good example of when that would have happened. Um, I suppose Saving Private is the only example. I don't know. There. I mean, have you ever been disappointed by an ending? Certainly. Um, Tell me. Yes. Tell you. Okay. So. Uh, the Nymphomaniac duology of films by Lars. <laughs> oh love, my god! I love that that's the that example the that you're using. Because it's such a bad ending to an otherwise good... Oh, uh, I actually want to hear this, yes. Tell so, me. whether you consider it like one long movie or one movie split into two parts or two movies. Anyways, um, 
yeah, actually, I don't know if this is podcast or podcast. <laughs> That's what I was, I was gonna, literally saying. I'm like, are you it's, the first, sure? it's the first thing that it's the first thing that came to mind though. But um, <laughs> try to keep this as family what, friendly as yeah, possible. Without, I'm not gonna put a little it, sentence so over everything. Without going into detail, no, what the, was it that made the ending so the unsatisfactory? End, okay, so the ending I felt completely. First of all, there was nothing. It, it, it's not even. It's I guess you could call it a twist ending but there's really no elements in either of the films mm-hmm. that would lead this character to do this thing that happens at the end mm-hmm. um, and I feel like it just betrays all of the ideas that were explored oh. um, before and and <laughs> Grant freezes all of a sudden yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like I'm trying that. to think of I, I, was, I was just frozen by the by the horribleness of the ending, um, but so so Lars von Trier he kind of has a reputation as a cinematic edge lord. Mm-hmm. To to well, that tells me everything it, I need to know. To put it like like Mildly. brief briefly, yeah, like it's not as simple as that. But um, I feel like he the bravest thing he could have done was to take the films where they logically were heading and where he he had. Uh, he had it, it technically would have been like a happy ending mm-hmm. but I feel like that would have been the bravest most transgressive thing that he could have done especially considering the rest of his filmography yeah would have been to you know just land on you know where this character can have a she, she has growth and blah 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 blah, blah. yeah yeah um, but you feel like he maybe tacked on he, a... oh he he 100% tacked on a, a dark edgy Von Trier Class, oh, classically von Sorry, Trier I just googled what the because end was. like because to do that would fit almost with yeah what yeah he's known and for no, as opposed he, to he let he let his ego get the best of him which yeah. he sometimes does and mm-hmm. that does no no with with, with with him it's always it's always a wrestling match between his ego and his genuine talent so oh, in this in in, the, in this case at the very end he faltered very heavily in my opinion mm-hmm. and that so that when I think of like bad endings. That's what comes to mind. That is actually really very interesting. I think... I'm trying to think of a really genuinely disappointing ending. I tend not to watch things that have disappointing endings. Or I should say I tend not to re-watch things that have disappointing endings or re-read things that have disappointing endings. I never really think things have disappointing endings. I think I was. I think certain endings, like maybe I was too overhyped about, and that's what causes the disappointment. But I'm not like disappointed as in like, oh, this is a bad ending. It's, oh, like let's say it's like a book or something. It's like it's hyped up way too much, and the ending just does not fulfill what I was really thinking about. Mm-hmm. I, um, those kind of things. Yeah, sure. I, I'm often disappointed by things that um, are very unique or. You know they have their own thing going on, and then they, in the end, they fall back on um, what made the form formula. I have uh, one when, disappointing when they, when, ending when they could have been so much more. I have one sure. disappointing ending, sure. but it was not actually an ending, and I will explain why it's not actually an ending. Hmm. So, in Fallout Three, so basically all the Fallout games slash Bioware. Um, there's always, you know those games that have the endings where depending on how you chose to deal with certain characters, depending on like how you um, like completed certain character quests or whatever, depends on how those like your companions end up at the very end and so you get different 
slideshows of how things... Sort of, kind of, yeah, sure. So Fallout 3 has that same system. So choices that you make in Fallout 3 slash any of the Fallout games, really, depending on how you... Except for Fallout 4, and I... Actually, that's the one disappointing and really big disappointing ending that I can think of, and I'll explain why afterwards. But Fallout 3, there's uh, certain things that you can do that affect how your character ends up. Mm. Now, spoiler alert alert for anybody who hasn't played the game and you haven't clicked off at this point, uh, you die at the end of Fallout 3 unless you buy the DLC and then you wake up at the end. But the whole entire ending of the game is um, you are fighting remnants of the U.S. government in trying to get a water purification system going to help people in your capital city wasteland get Mm -hmm. purified water. Mm -hmm. And you are trying... To fix all this, um, your father, who was working on this initially, gets mm-hmm. confronted and dies. Mm-hmm. And so now you have this weird more... You have you all of a sudden, they just like shirk it on you for absolutely no reason. But you have this moral obligation to now finish your father's work, even though technically you don't have to do anything. But like everyone has now given you this job, and that's basically what you have to do. Sure, okay. And then you get to the end... And the only way to make this work is to go in there, turn on the water purifier, mm-hmm. and you have all these different people from the remnant of the Enclave, which is the U.S. government, mm-hmm. and the only way to stop them is to close off the whole entire enclosure so nobody else can get in and turn on the massive radiation system in there mm-hmm. and kill yourself and everybody else who is in that room with you. Hmm. So you, you have all your companions they are completely on the other side of this glass wall watching this occur yeah yeah. but uh there's one section in the game that happens at the very beginning where you're it really shows you that your actions have consequences Mm -hmm. there's a town called megaton and megaton is literally quite named megaton because there's a giant megaton atom bomb in the middle of the city yeah there is yeah. yeah yeah in this water and you go into this um bar and there's a guy in there, and he's like, hey, I'm from this place over here. We don't like this town being here. Here's a detonator. Go blow up the bomb. Okay. And you have an option that you can turn him into the sheriff, which there's even more consequences if you do that, or you can stick it on without anybody noticing. You and that guy leave, skip town, go all the way out to a place where you can see it, and you literally just, like... Wow. Explode the whole entire town. Sure. Now, if you go against that and you say, absolutely not, we're not doing this, you don't get a little scene about this, and it's not as disappointing, it's actually very fulfilling, where you go tell the sheriff and you guys come back and you guys can go arrest him. Mm -hmm. However, if you're not fast enough, the guy that you are reporting on will unalive the sheriff if you're not fast enough. However, if you are fast enough, he'll... The sheriff is very nice, and then he gives you some extra supplies to help you out later on, which is very satisfying. Mm. But if you unalive the whole entire town by exploding the giant um, atom bomb, Mm -hmm. one of the most annoying characters... You think everybody would be gone? No. One of the most annoying characters in that (laughs) whole entire game... The shopkeep. The shopkeep ends up in the all-ghoul town, which is basically a bunch of people who were very much exposed to radiation, Mm -hmm. and they have become a completely different human type of being. Mm -hmm. She lives and is super excited, even though you literally were the cause of everybody else being dead. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is the most, like... 
disappointing, aren't you upset type deals, but she's fine <laughs> and she still sells you stuff. <laughs> like, and it does not make sense. It's a happy ending for her. Yeah, so it's very disappointing. Interesting. In that sense. Uh, I will say, though, that Fallout 4 is very disappointing. Okay. So Fallout 4, there are Brotherhood. There's, there's like three separate factions that you can join to mm-hmm. four, technically, mm-hmm. to create the whole entire ending of the game. Right. However, what's really disappointing is... Because they made it very much a la Skyrim, what really made the Fallout games great... Skyrim has a terrible ending, by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what really made the Fallout games great was the fact that you did have multiple endings based on how, like, if you did the character quest, companion, quest, sure. whatever. Sure. If you made certain choices like the Megaton um, situation, mm-hmm. um, if you saved a certain character in Fallout New Vegas, mm-hmm. it helped along in a certain way. Yeah. Um, and it tells you, like, what happened to these characters afterwards and how they continued onwards, and that's the end of the game. Like, right. you have to start a new game. Right. But Fallout 4 then decides to mimic the Skyrim layout where you can just keep going and keep going and keep going. Sure. And there's really no true ending to the game. Mm-hmm. So the ending to the main storyline is you get rid of the, um, I forgot what they're called already, the Institute. The Institute. And the Institute are, they're living underground and they're creating synthetic human beings and mm-hmm. they're basically like you're bougie, like they're stuck underground and they don't have any problems at all. Yeah. Except, you know, they keep coming up to the earth and stealing people for scientific experiments, which is a whole entire problem. Oh, that's interesting. But they also stole your son and your son then becomes a leader and you have to go against your son for a hot bit, but it's whatever. Mm. But the whole entire ending is you have to get rid of the Institute, so you have to blow up the whole entire um, MIT in Massachusetts. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, because uh, that's where they're located under, but it's called CIT instead, but whatever. Okay. So, um, you are there, and how it works is there's two factions that absolutely hate each other. And there's another faction that's just kind of sitting outside of it, and they are kind of your little wild card. Like, mm-hmm. they are always there if you need an ending type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. But all of the endings lead to the exact same, like, ending point. Mm-hmm. And while you're constant, you, you do kind of have consequences to your actions, you physically cannot have all th- very, very, it's very hard line to walk. Mm-hmm. You just do, like, one single thing, and you can turn all three against each other, and then you have to get rid of the other two to make the last one work. Okay. But you can't have an ending where all of those groups, minus the Institute, coexist in that area. There is no coexisting. Right. Except for there's, like, one specific ending where if you do that, you still have, like, all the different side quests. Yeah. But you still then have to walk a very fine line because if you get certain side quests, yeah, yeah. you can't complete them mm-hmm. unless you want to get rid of the whole entire other faction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, there is absolutely, like, locking you into one side or the other, which is great. But for people like me who like to explore all the different options and then possibly do, like, a peace pacifist type option, sure. there's absolutely nothing there for you to go with. 
Oh. And then there's a DLC where you can become a raider, which mm. then locks you out of that last wild card section where you have to choose those other two. But yeah. if you've already turned those two against each other, and then you have these guys hating you over here, you have to get rid of your raider friends to be able to go back to the other side. Mm. So they make it a lot more convoluted than it should be, and then there's no like real hard ending. Sure. Granted, Skyrim does the same thing. Not really. There's a whole. There's a hard ending for Skyrim. It's just stupid. It, it's just the dragons are not really dragon. It's dumb. You go to this weird. Sovereign guy. He, yes, heaven. No, yeah, no. Place, but like after that, them, like you fight. After you fight them, they're like, oh, by the way, sorry, we made you fight us. It was just a test, and then. You're welcome to Sovereign Guard forever. And you're like, that's it? The dragon thing never makes any sense because the Sovereign Guard thing happens and they never link up and you're just kind of like... Yeah, you get rid of Alduin and then you're done. Like, but that's just it. dumb. And then like, they just... Like, you can stay up there, but there's absolutely nothing to do up there. So you send yourself back and then there's no real hard ending. Well, no, so, but that is the hard ending. You just still get to play the game, which I think is fine, but it's the main storyline's ending is dumb. Right. So what I usually do, because like, granted, I just don't make it a hard ending in general. What I do is I do two separate factions, and I make my character fantastically good. They go up to do the Sovereign Guard bit, mm-hmm. and then they come back. And I still have two factions left. So I have Dark Brotherhood and I have Thieves Guild. So my character yeah. then takes a darker turn, and I haven't finished Civil War yet. So what I like to do is I like to then turn around and oh, I like... Oh, yeah, there's the Civil War. So probably. what I do is I then go through the Dark Brotherhood route. Mm-hmm. And then I get rid of the Emperor. And then I finish mm-hmm. the Civil War storyline. Or I do the Civil War storyline first, and then I go do the Dark Brotherhood. And then I get rid of the God, the Emperor. Yeah, But I don't it makes know. it more entertaining. But, like, to be honest, while there is a hard ending, it's not exactly a true hard ending. Because there is no credit scene at the very end. And a please go to the new character, please make a new character. Like, I consider a hard ending uh-huh. is when you get that credit scene at the very end. Mm-hmm. And instead of, like, letting you continue to play, they yeah. send you back to the title screen. And there's either a new game plus or there is a new game option. That is a hard ending. To I don't me. know that open world games really should operate that way. No, because that's but, kind of the point of an open world game. Like, that's what I consider a yeah. hard ending. So, in my opinion, okay. I don't really think that open world games truly have a hard, hard ending. Like, I think that their ending is yes, it's hard. Like, because it's the very end, and you can continue just playing afterwards, and there's absolutely nothing else that you can do except just like run around and play things. Mm-hmm. But like, there's no true just like, okay, we're done. Sure, we're done. Please go play another game for a hot bit. I suppose uh, yeah. that's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Flipping yeah. hair time. Yeah. Tony. Yes. Oh, is, no. it, is there an ending to anything? To any any piece of media, any <laughs> any any format. Mm-hmm. That you would change, or that you have, like you ha- you've always had, like w- if you were in charge, what you would have done. An ending that I would do differently. Mm-hmm. I have to th- think about. Oh. Ew. I. <laughs> We've made Tony actually have to think about this. <laughs> It's challenging, yeah, um, because then I have to think about why. 
Maybe, actually, yes. So, and this is just an adaptation problem. I don't actually know that this would work. But there, it seems to me that there must be a way for um, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings to end more similarly to the book. Um, even though he tried, I mean, he really tried to get the whole ending in there. Minus the whole Saruman. I think it was a mistake to not show the taking of, the taking back of Hobbiton. I think it makes the Hobbits a hero for not enough. Um, I mean, he does, again, there's a lot in that final film. In Return of the King, there's a lot done to make the Hobbits like all four hobbits, true, genuine heroes. So that when Aragorn delivers the line later on, you know, my friends, you bow to no one and everybody bows to him. That's a powerful moment because we earned it, right? You spend that entire movie with the four hobbits really doing the work of a war um, in a way that they don't do in the first two films. You know, they kind of are floundering around the first two films and then that third one, they get a really good, each one gets their own sort of quest line um, but I think that it would have been interesting to see the Hobbiton being taken down and then I don't know it's hard to figure out how to do that that's my I mean I you know I because because Tolkien's to, to have that done it, in the book the reason that it's done that way is because Wars don't just end, you know. Um, and Tolkien, having been a survivor of of a war, knew that. It didn't just it didn't just end because oh well, you know, lunch hour is over, guys, go home, you know. And it touches on his. We'll come back to the trenches tomorrow. The kind of thing, you know. It's like, and it touches on his ideas of like his fears of encroaching industrialization industrialization into like the old. Oh sure. Old ways. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was always you know ever present in this in that story, but I think I think the way in which Peter Jackson ended it was very, very movie good. You know, it's very Hollywood like, well there has to be an ending that gleams and glows and shines and everybody cries and all that kind of thing. Great, you did that. But that's not really the ending of the Lord of the Rings. Like and it's not really the purpose of the Lord of the Rings. You know, this is a war story. And war stories already suffer, you know, war pictures in general already suffer from the the nice shiny glowy end. Um, <laughs> you know, the ending of like the soldiers came home or you the know. best ones do not. <clears throat> Name one. Uh, come and see. I haven't seen that one. Apocalypse Now. I haven't seen that one either. Okay. And I know it's a classic. I have not mm-hmm. seen that one, though. Um, interesting. Maybe I've just been watching the wrong war pictures. <laughs> I mean, I, I, if you want to make a distinction between war movies and anti-war movies, it, 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 I, I, I suppose both of those can be considered anti-war movies. But oh, if we consider okay. war movies, movies in which the focus is... A is war. the war? Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean. There's that. Oh, there's that one with um, Michael J. Fox. Is it Michael J. Fox? Yeah, and um, oh, who's it? Sean Penn? Are you thinking of the Thin Red Line or the? No, it's a Vietnam movie. Yeah, the. Is that what it's called? The Terrence Malick movie where it follows mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's I forget what it's called. It's the th- is it the Thin Red Line or something uh, like that? It's not. I don't think it's Thin Red Line. It might yes. be. Yes. Is it Thin Red Line? Thin Red Line, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's Malick. a great movie. Yes, 
Great movie. So that is what I would consider an anti-war movie because I mean it's the whole. I mean, first of all, how do you make a Vietnam movie without it being an anti-war mm-hmm. movie? I don't know how you can spin that to like we were the good guys. Yeah, right. I mean, they they certainly did in some. But they attempted. They attempted. An attempt was made. But then you look. At, but you look at a movie like 1917, right? Um, and the entire time. Okay, first of all, <laughs> first of all, you came for Sam Mendes, Mendes, whatever. Don't. And two, We're going to have a whole different episode. I mean, different I get it. Okay. I will give you that. I will grant you that. I'll grant you that. The ending... <laughs> so, for me, if we're looking at Sam Mendes films, for example, oh, which Bond movie is it that, that ends with him going to his father's house? Uh, the one he directed. Uh, Skyfall. He directed two. Skyfall. Oh, he, he, oh, yeah, he made the good one, then he made the terrible one. What was the terrible one? Spectre. Yeah, I couldn't finish Spectre. Maybe that's why. Yes, you're right. Thank you. All right, so Skyfall. Skyfall's ending is fantastic. I mean, it's... Because Skyfall isn't just an ending to Skyfall. Skyfall is an ending to the last three films, like the the Daniel Craig Bond films. Skyfall is the ending of that entire sequence. Which most people don't understand. And then he goes, but you know, he goes back to he goes back to the womb, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, right. It's yeah, oh, oh, just Skyfall, just so good. Nothing, nothing in the world would I change about that. It just it, it brought everything together. Nineteen Seventeen, on the other hand, which is not overrated as a film, but I'm not going to go there. Uh, it's not but, even the best one take movie. I don't really care. It's, I mean, okay, eh. but I mean, as a as a story. It, I don't even know if the story necessarily is all that strong because it doesn't really do very much. I mean, you know, you're just wandering through the countryside with this one person. I just think that the entire time I was watching it, I kept thinking, where's the end? Because I couldn't figure it out. I kept thinking, well, he can't die because that would be such an anticlimactic ending to this movie of like this guy's one story going all the way through, you know, World War One, and then realizing by the end of it that it's over. But I think the way in which that was articulated for him as a soldier, like getting there, and it was such a like crawl through the mud kind of thing, but in a way that we never see. We always see the trenches. That is the benchmark for World War One movies every single time. This movie never took us there. Well, I mean, it started there, and then we left. You know, that's... Revolutionary for World War One pictures because we've been doing the same thing since what's the what's that German novel that everybody loves that became a movie and then it became a movie again and then they just redid it on Netflix. Yeah, um, all quiet on the Western Front. Yeah, like that's the like trademark like thing where you, you have to show the trenches and you have to show how hard it is and you have to because that's World War One and it's like but every war is more complicated than that. And 1917 was like, yes, we'll start with the trenches. We'll show you what that was like. And there's that scene where they're like all the bodies are piling up on top of them um, at the beginning. And it's like, it's, suff- it's suffocating. It feels I don't suffocating. really remember. It was so, yeah, it, oh. it, it was just left so little. Of a- oh, okay. No, but, it's, but it, that's the thing that I think I really liked about it is that it veers away from that entirely. And you see the war from the, from the rest of the at least the countryside, not every country, but, you know, you yeah. see it that way. And then he gets back to camp, which is supposed to be the safe space, the safe place to grieve. And then it turns out that not only is it the place to grieve, but you have to grieve the ending of the war. Like, the war's over now. And, like, it's an extra layer of grieving. Like, it's like, oh, we have to do both. I don't know. I felt like it was an unconventional way to do that kind of movie, and I liked that that was the ending, even though it was kind of a quieter ending than 
you would expect, maybe. I don't know. I just, you know, I wouldn't. I feel like I just mounted a defense for 1917. I, I just did. I don't know. I just, I just really like that movie. Endings are challenging. They are. I think. I still don't have an ending for my uh, magnum opus. So. No? No. I don't actually, have one set in stone anyway. Actually, I don't either. I have a few. <laughs> That's what you mentioned. <laughs> I like writing endings, though. Um, almost spontan- spont- the spontaneously, just because... I like writing endings they first. Just get, oh, I can't do them first. The reason I like doing it first is just... Granted, I write in a weird order. I just write whichever scene comes to me first. Mm. A lot of times that is the ending that the, I see first the in Diana my head. Gavel Gavel approach. Approach. So I, I, got, I have to write the ending first. And then mm. which in my head, characters like to take like little minds of their own for a hot second in like my brain space. Mm-hmm. And so... After writing, like, a scene, like, it could just be a middle scene. It could be whatever. In my brain, the characters will just take up, take it and just kind of, like, go, okay, we're going over here now. We're going to do something completely separate. Yeah. And so I write that then, and then I just kind of puzzle piece it back together. Yeah. Or at least, like, after, like, I have a few good, like, chunks of something, I put those in, like, a chronological order and how I feel like it would go. Oh, sure. And then I think to myself, like, okay, so what would it take to get from this point to this point? Sure. From this point to this point. And then I let the characters go, okay, so which section of this point do you want to go first? Mm. I kind of let my characters run wild in my head, and it comes up with some very entertaining moments. I feel like... I prefer to reach my endings organically. In fact, if it's the only part that I arrive at organically, I'm, I'm completely happy with that. Um, everything else, I feel like I have to lock down a little bit, because... No, I'm, I'm similar. This, this, yeah. the, what, I, it, I, I have the same view of structure, like mm-hmm. whatever the past dictates the future. What, you know, as, lo- as long as, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the work dictates its own structure, up to and including the ending. Yes. Like, uh, Ursula Le Guin said... The ending is always in the beginning, mm-hmm. um, which I found to be really fascinating as a statement because it's kind of like, oh, if you think that you don't know what your beginning is supposed to be, if you've written your ending, then that's your ending. If you or that's your beginning, you just sort of reverse it, right? Mm-hmm. But if you've not gotten to your ending and you're confused about where to go, look at your starting point and think, oh, well, what's the most? What's the exact opposite of where I started? And then there's some answer to your ending. It still may not be exactly what you think it's going to be, but um, I do love a good ending. Okay, before we do the thing, favorite endings, real quick, or just like memorable endings. Um, I do have one. Go. Um, well, actually, I don't want to spoil it, but I'll. I'll, I'll... It's already. They're not listening. Okay. Go. All right. They're not listening. Fine. <laughs> Spoil it. Wait, what? Right. Wait, is it spoiling it for me? Yeah, because I, I, I think you'd like it. But what is it? It's Beau Tra- I can't pronounce it. It's French. Uh, Beau Trava by um, uh, 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 frickin' frickin' frickin'. Um, <laughs> um, it, uh, somebody else go. I'll, Aaron, I'll, go. I'll get what's the your, English What's a memorable ending for you? A favorite ending of something that ended really well? Um, I don't have the exact remembrance in my head, but Final Fantasy IX has a fantastic ending. Yeah, um, love that. Okay. Um, basically, any Final Fantasy game has a fantastic ending, depending on how you want to look at it. Nice. Ten out of ten will always love those endings because okay. of the fact that wraps it up in a nice, neat little bow. Okay. 
and uh, sometimes after going through the whole entire journey, there's a lot that you can go on. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I will also say uh, Final Fantasy Advent Children, which is um, a movie from the oh, series. Oh, right. Okay. In ending, but great. Like overall, Story. like arcing, like okay. wraps it up in a nice little like. But. Okay. Grant. <laughs> okay, so Beau Travail, which is I know I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's French for good work. Oh. Um, it's loosely based on Billy Bud, the sailor or whatever by. Oh, by Herman Melville. Herman Melville. Okay. Which yeah, yeah. I think is unfinished. So. Is that, it? that book in itself doesn't have anything. <laughs> um, Love that. However, uh, so so this is a movie where. It's a very, on first watch, it's a very cold and alienating, it can be, experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's beautiful to look at, mm-hmm. but it's a movie where, like, nothing that is actually meant is said, and everything happens below the surface. Okay. Um, and the ending, which is completely left of, you know, whatever, like, uh-huh. like it's, like, you definitely can't predict it, but, and it's, at first you're like, what am I? What am I looking at? Yeah. Um, but to me, it's a stroke of genius because with how reserved and subterranean mm-hmm. every the whole film is until the end. Yeah. And just it's just uh, almost an unrelated um, scene of like pure release. Mm, okay. Um, okay. And it it took it was very um, it was a very brave. Way to end. Yeah. Okay. That movie, which I I, I, okay. I know we talked. We said we were going to spoil stuff throughout the whole episode, but, but I feel I feel like you really should just watch the movie. Okay. For me, um, a just a striking ending is always going to be the uh, ending of the Clone Wars season seven, the, the three arc thing that is now being called a movie because um, it's as long as one. It's just unbelievably beautiful and emotional and intricate and it takes its time to really deliver what we deserve as an audience because we've been with this for that long you know seven seasons of a of 20 episodes a piece you know that's that's a lot for an animated series i mean it's huge fantastic ending doesn't quite compare with avatar the last airbender's ending but it's close uh after the last episode, ending is oh, just Susan's comment, part one and part two, just it's unfair, but so. I good. have a snack. All right, so you're you have your. I have a snack. What character do you have? I have a snack. His name is Red Hood. Oh, <laughs> you got Red Hood. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. got a snack. Who's Red Hood? Jason Todd. Jason Todd. Oh. Okay. Yes, and you got. I got uh, Aaron. I mean, oh, I mean Hermione Granger. <laughs> so you have to, yeah right. So you have to battle oh, them. Oh no. Who would win? Um, Hermione or Jason? I, I've only seen the movies, so I, I know she's very well. She's very well um, read. And <laughs> a, a, a powerful mean, wizard all around. I know she's powerful wizard, but like, here's the thing about Jason Todd too. He has a gun. Yeah, <laughs> but if his gun can't stop Batman. But, like... <laughs> I don't think that... There's also the fact that if she doesn't stop him Expect fast... Expect us <laughs> Do you think? Do you think if Ortega could stop a bullet? 
That's the point. Yes. It's if yes. He produces a gun and she says Protego, it protects her against the attacking thing. So True. It, Okay. Yeah. I but mean, the, the weird thing about Protego spells is that there's never any real like like there's Protego and then there's Protego Maxima and then there's like basically the intention with which you fire the spell. So if someone's firing a a spell at you and you hear that the spell is dangerous, but your Protego isn't either fast enough or powerfully intended enough. So like you could fire it to stop a Legilimens, but if it if you fire it to stop a killing curse, or but they're firing a killing curse instead, it may kill you. Or I mean, but I don't like know, here's like, the thing. And I, I'm just going to throw this out there. And this is going to be very horrible of me because, you know, I have to say this out loud. But what if he just, like, does the pew pew and she does the protego, but he's also pretty uh, super powered where he has, like, really good athleticism and stamina and stuff. And so what if he was close enough, did the pew pew, and as she's, like, holding out her wand because, you know, protego, he just, like, sneaks up behind her. This man has That's... super superhuman strength and can rip out... Uh, Chest cavities. So it depends on if you're. So honestly, at that point, then it then it is a moment of how fast is Hermione being able to turn around? Yeah, but he doesn't have he doesn't have superhuman speed. No, but he like what if he's close enough for that? She could cast a Vodkadavra. Yeah, he has to be. Do you think she would though? No. I, in a life or death situation, I, who knows? Who's like, to are say? you sure? She is this, in this... a life death situation the yes, entire series. <laughs> the whole series you're is right, just still right. never used I, I do think that maybe we're giving Jason too much power here. Yes, I know, but I have uh, to because he's my character and I, I I'm biased, and he's also a snack. I get it. In a mess. I get it. He's hot, but if he can't beat Batman, and I'm giving you that. Hermione could give Batman a run for his money, and I'm a Batman. Right. Person. I think almost any wizard could give Batman a run for his money, realistically. We'll have to talk to Constantine about that. <laughs> the, the superhero Constantine? Yeah, he, the, oh. the, he's, they he's did magical. a whole entire oh, thing. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know they did it. Yeah, he's all he's all magical. Hmm. Batman he's always magical. loses to Constantine. Actually, um, it's, I'm gonna see how it's done.